Hey, story fiends. Welcome to their stories everywhere with Aledria Hurt. Hi, Allie here. You've got episode nine in your ears, her daddy's straight razor. But before we really get started, a word. Welcome back. Now about this story, her daddy's straight razor. Let's get started without further ado. Straight Razor by Aledria Hurt. Kellyanne Jones was the daughter of a murderer, was because he had been executed three days prior, according to the letter she held between trembling hands. On the table before her was a box labeled number 5793 DR Personal Effects. The sum total leavings of Clifton Jones' sorry life. A pair of worn black boots, a leather jacket with two holes where he'd been shot during his apprehension, a wallet with an ID ten years expired, and credit cards long since cancelled. Hidden inside was a photo of her she recognized, taken by her mother at her fifth birthday. Kelly smiled as she looked at it the only party he had ever gotten to attend. That was before the running and the hiding, but not before the lying. Clifton Jones had been lying about his whereabouts before Kelly was born, had lied all the way through Kelly's childhood, and probably would have kept on lying except he got caught. Hard to lie your way out of bloody hands with a still cooling body lying at your feet with the eyes open. Kelly had been 12 when the news first aired the story of Cliff the Clipper Jones and his straight razor. It would be another three years before she heard the name Sweeney Todd for the first time, and a fourth before she got the reference. By then she had seen her daddy's black-handled straight razor from every angle and knew it as minutely as her father's mirthless features. Storm gray eyes set deep beside a statue's nose, and lips not full enough to really seem like lips, but too thick to have been drawn on. Kelly had his eyes, or so her mother had said when she'd been drinking. Soulless gray, she called them to go with the soulless monster, as she called him. Let's just hope he hasn't cursed you the same, she would mumble around a mouthful of red wine. The Mrs. Jones, or Miss Kennedy, once Clifton was convicted, hadn't fared well. The whispers of she must have known had driven her to drink, but it was the families of the missing that made her disappear. Kelly hadn't seen her since she was 18, not that she'd really bothered to look. Moira Kennedy had disappeared two years ago in person, but she hadn't been Kellyanne's mother in years. Standing in the living room of her shared apartment with a box of her father's things, she felt closer to him than she had ever felt to her mother, closer than his letters had ever let her get, stacked as they were in an old shoebox. 
Kelly put the letter down and unfolded the jacket. The two holes were at shoulder level, and she had to wonder if they missed on purpose. Bastard like that should taste real justice, one young cop had said to the news. But what was real justice? A bullet through the heart or a thousand volts through the brain? Perhaps a straight razor across the throat? What was it? The leather, despite so long being folded, moved supple in her hands. Every memory of him had that jacket and those boots. Heavy worker boots that thudded when he walked. She swung the jacket around her shoulders and something flew out of the long sleeve to land on the floor with a clunk. Kelly froze. His straight razor glared at her from the wood. Kelly knelt beside it, aware of how her breath had become shallow, only a touch from fainting. How? It should have been in an evidence locker with a tag reading murder weapon. Instead, it was on her floor daring her to touch it, or maybe begging her to caress it. In his letters, Clifton Jones had referred to his blade as the Silver Lady. He had been fond of naming things. His wife, my beloved backstabbing bitch, and his daughter, baby girl K.A. The Silver Lady looked lonely lying there, as lonely as Kelly felt. She hadn't gone to the execution, and he had been given no funeral the state unwilling to fund it for him. Picking up the razor, she flicked it open. It greeted her with a schnick. You were daddy's favorite. The sheen mocked her. Closing it, she slipped it into the jacket pocket. In another room, the phone rang, and a squeal erupted. Got it! Kelly let out her breath slow. It was just Amelia. Vapid Amelia, nothing to worry about, nothing to care about. She didn't know. No one in the school knew. Best that way. She slipped a lid on the box and hid it under her bed. It was just short enough to fit. Kelly couldn't wear his shoes, but his jacket, yes, she could keep his coat on. Amelia bounced into Kelly's doorway the phone jouncing from one hand to another as though she was learning to juggle. Guess what? What? You're no fun. Party tonight at Brad's. She tossed the phone up and caught it before looking at her roommate meaningfully. Johnny will be there. Uh-huh. Oh, come on. You two can't avoid each other forever. Yes, we can. If you stay here, I'll just give him my key. Would you just stop? Kelly lunged at her roommate, stopping only just short of colliding. With gritted teeth, she looked up into the old, into the taller girl's face. John and I are over. Leave it alone. Wow. Way to be creepy, Kelly. Amelia poked out her lower lip, an expression which melted Brad's heart, but only made Kelly want to carve her heart out. Then she flounced out of the room, taking the phone with her. Only then did Kelly feel how the silver lady had bitten into her finger as she squeezed her hands in the pocket of the jacket. A line of blood flowed down her hand. Dad probably would have liked him.
Shelly didn't go to Brad's party. She didn't like Brad. She didn't like drunk Amelia. She didn't want to see Johnny's smiling face as he flirted with everything that passed his way. He dismissed their relationship. She could do the same. All without the inconvenience of dealing with other people she cared nothing for. She was deep in a Chinese history text when someone knocked on her door. John stood out in the hall, shifting his feet. Kelly watched him until he knocked again. Open the door, Kelly Ann. Amelia said you were home. Stop hiding. She wasn't hiding. She was keeping a door between them. Maybe for her safety. Maybe for his. Go away. Kelly! Go away. You want it out. Leave. Can't I change my mind? He dropped his head against the door with a thud. Please open the door and talk to me. I don't want to talk. Kelly, I'm sorry. He slammed his fist into the door hard enough for her to step back. Do you want me down on my knees out here in the hall? He attempted to peer in through the peephole. Kelly, Kel, baby, please. Hands in his, her pockets, she felt the weight of that razor. Less than a pound, but strong enough to make a life vanish. John, just go. She saw the way his flesh would part, and she smelled the blood followed by the shit as his body let go. He gurgled like a water fountain before slumping to the floor, his eyes startled glass marbles. Go away, John. I'm done with you. With a flip of her wrist, she made the blade wink in the light. A cold thrill ran up her arm. Very done with you, she whispered. She didn't listen for him to leave, but curled up on the end of the couch, the folded razor held in her palm. She must have dozed there. Forty-five minutes later, the door banged open and Johnny walked in. You came back? Kelly unfolded herself from the couch. I told Amelia you wouldn't talk to me, so she gave me her key. Now, how about we talk? Kelly palmed the silver lady as she crossed her arms over her chest. Nothing to say. You left me, remember? I'm not the forgiving kind. Well then, maybe we should just start over. I've had a chance to think through everything. And what? Now you've had a change of heart? No one else wanted you, so you came running back? The space between them shifted, him sliding forward and her stepping back, until there was a wall cutting off her escape. That's not it at all, he said placing his hand on the wall beside her head. I care about you, and I want us to make this work. He was so close she could see his heartbeat as he swallowed. With men, the gruff voice of her father said, it's always above or below the Adam's apple. He'd explained in a letter once that going through the Adam's apple was harder to go through. John, get away from me. I need some space. Not until you agree to talk to me. I said move. Her hands went up to push him away and his shirt developed a red stripe. A growing red stripe. He clutched his chest as he stepped back. 
me. Reconciliation fled as he took back the space between them with an angry sound. Kelly slipped to one side. His hands at his chest didn't protect his throat. Just above his Adam's apple from jaw hinge to jaw hinge, just as her daddy had described, he stutter-stepped forward and collided with the wall as Kelly stepped back. The blood made the silver lady glitter a dull red. She seemed pleased. John gurgled, pushing off the wall, his hands leaving smearing prints. Her name died on his lips as he fell forward again and stopped moving. Kelly cleaned the silver lady on the back of John's shirt, adding a red stripe to the back to match the one on the front. She flipped the razor open and closed rhythmically as she walked into her bedroom to pack. It was time to disappear. Like father, like mother, like daughter. Well, what did you think? Before we get to the discussion, a word. Small Dragon Publishing presents Hush by author Elidria Hurt. When Cassandra LeBlanc's former flame, the police detective Ellis, walks back into her life with a case she wants no part of, she still doesn't say no. What they find during their investigation leaves them cold, and Cassandra can't help but wonder if the common denominator is her, especially when the killer sets his sights on Ellis himself. Check out Hush by Elidria Hurt wherever ebooks are sold. So let's talk about this. What possessed me to write this story? One, I wanted to fool around with the idea of unintentional legacies. Clifton would never have expected his daughter to follow in his footsteps. However, Kelly Ann, who could perhaps be said to have some sort of mental disorder thanks to what happened both before and now, doesn't set out to kill Johnny. She makes every attempt to avoid actually hurting him until he is too close and there's nothing more she can do but bid him bon voyage on the river Styx. Now, what will happen to her after this, there's no telling. She could disappear into the ether and never kill again. Or she could follow in her father's footsteps and start killing people left and right. We don't really know. That's not really told to us other than the fact that she packs up and leaves knowing that she just killed somebody. But the remorseless way that she wipes the silver lady on the back of Johnny's shirt says that most likely the latter is going to happen. In case you were wondering, her daddy's straight razor appeared in object stories of things back in 2014, and I've done a lot as a writer since then. I'm really considering whether or not it's time to revamp that entire collection and add some new stuff. Want to talk to me about the stuff that I write? Leave me a voice message on anchor.fm or email me at aledria at aledriahurt.com. That's A-L-L-E-D-R-I-A at A-L-L-E-D-R-I-A-H-U-R-T dot com. You can find me on Facebook at Aledria E. Hurt or on Twitter at Our Lady of Ashes. Interested in supporting the podcast? Find me on Patreon at www.patreon.com slash Hurt 
or support the podcast directly through anchor.fm. See you later, story fiends.